Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Content warnings can be found in the episode notes. Take a moment to subscribe. Take a couple moments to leave a review. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. Or visit Tavern... <laughs> visit. Or visit TavernSquad.com for more of our content. Since the dawn of high fantasy RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told or to begin than a tavern. The mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, five D&D nerds quest for glory and to keep traditional narrative cliche alive. This is Tavern Squad. Hello and welcome to the Tavern. I am your Dungeon Master, your Innkeeper, and your host, Connor Everly. And I'm here with the sixth installment of our new campaign. This mini-arc, I've been dabbling with the name Before the Storm Horse. Last session, it was a very exciting battle and it resulted in everybody leveling up. So for today's introduction of our cast, I will, you know, go through my roll 20 and everybody just go ahead and tell me what that level up looked like for your character. And we will start today off with Sean Paul. Hello. G3 was a pretty run-of-the-mill city guard, and I don't think he was used to this level of action that they've got in the last day or so. In this level up, his strength and his HP increased. So nothing crazy, but, you know, when you're fighting monsters in the street and thieves in churches um he got a little bit of a little bit of strength training under his belt all right yeah strength upgrade on those metal arms beefy boy all right and next up we have andre ryu hey how's it going <laughs> yeah so uh tums was feeling pretty empowered by all the action that he's been seeing for him for he had an ability score and improvement and he went with a feat and so the new feat is Cantrip Mastery. And so um, from a technical standpoint, that means that he is able to cast Cantrips as a bonus action. Previously, uh, the Cantrips that he knows are Create Bonfire, Mage Hand, and True Strike. And so the, the canonical reasons for him having each of these spells is something that he knows uh, innately. As Bonfire, working at the Angry Gut with his father, he had to, you know, use use cooking magic all the time. In the post office, uh, being a short dude, sometimes you got to reach up on the high shelves. That's why he casts his mage hand. And finally, um, true strike is something that he's gleaned from all of the, the rogue and thievery magazines that he was scouring in the post room. Uh, so now those are more innate than they were before and something that he can cast kind of at will. Rock and roll. Thanks, Andre. Next up, we have Jessica McGarry playing Cecilia Slitherspoon. Indubitably. Um, Cecilia decided that she was going to try more upfront combat than she had in the past, which resulted in near-death experiences quite quite often. Um, however, she did um, gain an ability score with a strength increase, and also I got more hit points in the hopes that if I do end up being more face-to-face combat. Um, first of all, I'm going to let the, the beefy boy, as you say, uh, G3, kind of take some of the hits for me. <laughs> um, but I, I am a little bit stronger now. I'm stronger. 
than yesterday. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, we have Dan the Mystery Man playing Roynar Karagark. Hey, so Roy spent most of the last session uh, kind of bamboozled and befuddled from getting his bell rung pretty good by the alarm. Uh, as a result of that, he's feeling pretty good, you know, feeling pretty healthy after some of those uh, worm strikes he took. Uh, and, you know, just in general, he's kind of seen a lot more magic just from Aunt May uh, and just some of the stuff that he's seen. So he's gotten a little bit of an upper hand against magic users, and he took the Mage Slayer feat, I want to say. Yep, that's the name of it. So yeah, that just kind of gives him the upper hand when dealing with uh, magic wielders. Nice. Mage Slayer. Alright, thank you everybody for your level up update. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a little bit of a session 5 recap. So what happened last in episode 5 was y'all were at the end of a long rest and you were interrupted when a tabaxi rogue, the same one you saw in the angry gut reading pornos, broke into the museum, activated the alarm and lockdown system, and then proceeded to try to steal the Kota Danov, the Book of Lesser Demons, and after failing wildly at that, trying to steal the Rem Therem, a magic-enhancing gem, the two artifacts that are in the Barazley's Point Museum. It was a fucking wild battle, to say the least. So, yeah, where we very last ended, you guys had apprehended the tabaxi, and there had been a knock on the door where the Earth Genasi guard was waiting for Roynar to open the door. With the smell of burning grease still permeating the desecrated halls of the Barazles Point Museum, there is a fervent knocking on the door. Roynar, as you approach the door, you do notice that there is a bit of a bloody patch on the face of the Earth Genasi guard, and he looks at you with wide eyes and continues to knock even when you're only five feet away. So as Roy goes to open the door, I think he's going to quip to the Earth Genasi. What? Did you try to rob somebody maybe a little bit bigger and stronger than you this time? <laughs> Just can't catch a fucking break, man. No, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fair. No, no, much the opposite. We tried to stop one of the kidnappings, and I saw something I can't describe. Uh, please, can we come in? And you see him point to only his hobgoblin associate. The human is not there. Looking at the hobgoblin and the earth genasi, it looks like they have been pretty wounded and beaten up. Their armor is smeared with blood, some of it dark and coagulated, and some of it fresh. Ah, yeah, you better get in here. Tell us what happened. They hastily enter the building and the doors close behind them. And I'd like to say that uh, as he's talking, Roynar is leading him and the and the hobgoblin over to the group. We were out near uh, near Fettenridge when we heard a scream for help. Uh, an ogre lady was being attacked by these weird, blobby, monstrous things. They they were horrifying. We tried to do our best to stop them. I'm ashamed to say when. We approached them, I I seized with fear. I, I tried my best, but I, I couldn't help it. Luckily, Dav here, along with Fard, bless his soul, bless his soul. He puts his hand to his chest and hangs his head. We tried to save the lady, but 
It was too much. There were too many of them. They managed to take the lady. And Ford tried his best. He really did. But he was felled by the creatures. And something unnatural happened. As soon as he collapsed to the ground, his blood leaking out everywhere. His body started becoming bulbous. Breaking out of his own armor. And he looked exactly like those things. That was when I snapped back to it. And Dav and I had to... Well, we had to take care of Fard. That sounds like a demon characteristic. Much like the demons that we've been dealing with. Not undead, but demons. Hold on a second. You're telling me you just left these blobby creatures in the middle of the street somewhere? No, they went back down. They, they took the ogre lady and, and Fard. We managed to kill him. We managed to kill another. We, we reported back to base. We went to a pigeon booth. And they said they were going to send more men on it. When we were coming back, we saw the alarms going off and... I know that y'all were in here and, well, I guess I didn't really think about what was actually happening in here. I just kind of came here looking f for you. So did the demons go underground or where did the demons go? They took the ogre lady and they went back inside the sewer, went back inside a manhole. They're down there in the sewers. That's probably why those Grick things came up. And Cecilia, with more knowledge about these demons, the understanding that you can turn into one of them, I would like you to make a intelligence roll. I got a 10. Having your father's journal and looking through some of the notes on demons, you see one entry about a kind of demon that can produce others like it. There are no details about what they look like, only the idea that they can reproduce demon creatures off of their prey. These demons are known as Rudderkin. Rudderkin. Sorry, you search through your journal to find these answers while the conversation continues. Um, yeah, and so while Cecilia is maybe interrogating the Genasi, I think uh, Roynar is going to look to his uh, fellow lawman, who he forgot his name again, and he's going to say, Oh, hey, um, <clears throat> law brother, uh, can you see these guys' wounds? Um, unfortunately, I used all of my healing abilities to help y'all out, so uh, there's not much I can do at this moment. Not without, like, a good snack and a nap, maybe. Does Tum still have that half a sandwich? Yeah, uh, so, so hearing that Tum's perks up and he offers, I guess I would offer, uh, a Poindexter over there, uh, the sandwich. Here, here you go, buddy. Half of your soggy fucking sandwich that you <laughs> yeah. just dunked in the fucking water. To totally. Totally what? He takes the sodden sandwich in his hand, the bread starting to kind of like melt between his fingers, and he grimaces as he looks upon this unappealing hoagie. Um, I think I'll pass. Th thank you. And Limden tries to hand the sandwich back to you. All right. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you, you, you just take it. It goes back in the bag. <laughs> did Tums hear the co the conversation about, like, the... Did you say there was jellos? Yes, yes. I'm going to go ahead and say everybody could hear what the guard was saying. Yeah, you guys was talking about jellos and stuffs, and, and you know, I I got dunked in that, that tank over there. I, I was trying to, to avoid the fire. The, the statue talked to me, and I had another one of those visions, like when I touched the thread in the alleyway. And there was lots of fire and stuff, but there was jellos in that vision, too. Are you talking about the demons? Yeah, you know, like the fire plane. There was lots of fire. It was bad stuff. Mm -hmm. So just a, a, I fucked up earlier, guys. I didn't want to admit it, but I fucked up hardcore. And as and as Linden here is proof of my fuck up, 
Limden. We are dealing with demons, not undead. And this demon, in my dad's journal, there's an entry saying that a rudderkin can turn people into demons. So they might be this specific type of demon. And I don't usually admit when I fuck up. So it's a big moment for me, guys. I think at hearing that, Roy would look startled at G3 and he'd say, how many people have they reported missing in the last month? It's been a lot, but I feel like the number might be rapidly increasing. And if all of those are being turned into demons, there's probably some pretty big brewing in the sewers. That is a lot of sewer jello. Ew, sewer jello. Yuck. Well, at least we are on the right track for our investigation. Perhaps our next step is to go down the manhole? Let's interrogate this tabaxi first. He might have some answers, like why he's trying to steal the book of the... The... T- fuck. The Cota Dano. Thanks, Tums. <laughs> yeah, it's the book of lesser demons. Oh, so that's what the alarm was about. A thief. Yeah. We'd like to sit in on the interrogation if we can, and, and we can take this uh, this street rat back to the to the pin. Uh, when you're done with him, has uh, can we assume that Tabaxi has been eavesdropping on this conversation the entire time? Absolutely, you can. So I think at this, Roynar would turn to the Tabaxi and say, "Well, you have any idea what's going on here?" The Tabaxi scrunches his face in discomfort. Well, I uh, I don't know everything that's going on, but um. And he looks over to you, Tums, and in Thieves' Can, he says, If you can help me escape from these guys, or make it, you know, look like an accident, I can still get you those connections in the Thieves' Guild, and I'll give you whatever information uh, you need. Do the rest of us notice him communicating in a completely different language to Tums? Yeah, you, you hear him say, like, Platypus, painting, donkey cobble, street, monkey? Applesauce. Cecilia, like, kind of grab a scrub. What are you mumbling, jumbling about? You focus. You I- focus. <laughs> um, nothing. I was just mumbolo jumbloing about this stuff. He looks around. I might have a little information, but, uh, I need some assurances. Like assurances that we won't kill you because we have you tied up? That would be cold blooded murder. In front of the guards? And he looks at the Janassi. Oh, these guys? <laughs> these guys? <laughs> With that, the Earth Janassi scowls. He does have a point. There's a law. You can't kill a man who's bound. Or without a weapon. But, uh, we might be willing to look the other way. I feel like we don't need to kill right now. I feel like we need answers more than we need murder. Who are threatening him? We gotta threaten him. That's the point. <laughs> uh, G3's gonna look to the Genasi and uh, is gonna ask him, so there isn't a law against killing unbound people? And he wants to use this to intimidate the tabaxi. Make an intimidation, you can get advantage, because the Earth is gonna say, That's right, law says you can kill a man who's unbound with a weapon in his hand. And uh, G3 rolled a 14 for this intimidation. I am going to roll a counter for the tabaxi. He gets a nine. For a law member and a member of the bureau, you two are awfully despicable. He scoffs <laughs> and shows a slight smile. I like that. All right. I'll tell you what I know. You're looking for a, uh, a dynamic duo of sorts. One's name is J.P. Washtrot. He's a warden of the wastes. 
a sewer technician. Most of the time he's been pretty agreeable and helps out where he can, but it seems he's gotten into some dark shit. He calls these... <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, okay. He's calling these creatures his friends. Uh, apparently he is allied with uh, an older woman. I believe her name is Clementine Butterfield. Uh, she was hard to get some information on because she's usually a shut-in, but apparently, you know, she's been working with JP down in the sewers. They're the ones who contacted me. They said they needed these items because their friends would become unruly if they didn't have them. Which, judging by those guards, seems like that's happening. So they were gonna use these things to, like, maintain the demons and not help them? I'm not sure what exactly they wanted. I don't ask a lot of questions. In my line of work, people don't often like questions. Mm -hmm. I've met them at different contact spots. Obviously, JP knows the sewers well, uh, all around Barazley's Point. I've met at different points of entry, different service holes. So, I'm not exactly sure where to start in particular. Where were you going to meet him to give the book? Ooh, good question. The tabaxi swallows hard. He gives a knowing glance to you, Tums, and then looks back towards your group. Our drop point was the service hole that was just north of the museum. Just out that way. And he points towards the statue and past the stained glass behind said statue. Can I do some insight check and kind of like look to everyone and be like, what do you guys think? Like, is he telling the truth? You can make an insight check, absolutely. Yeah, can G3 uh, help that one out? Absolutely. I think, yeah, Roy, if Roy could do, I mean, however much... You wanna ask? He's very invested in this investigation. Yes, everyone can roll an insight. I'm gonna say that is not my strongest skill. Yeah, same. You're more of a stab first, ask questions later kind of person. Yeah, I'm more of a stab first, never consider the consequences later person. (laughs) Because I have a minus one to my insight. What did everyone get to their insight? I got a nine. Okay. G3 got a seven. Roy got an 11. Tums also got 11. With your 11s to insight... Seeing that he's bound, and he's obviously outnumbered, it's kind of over for him, he is happily sharing this information. Perhaps it's because he doesn't agree with what's happening? That's unclear. But it seems like he's being honest. In his head, he's got this whisper in the back. It's the same whisper that came to him when he set his boss's salad dressing on fire in the post office, and it's just screaming, let him out, let him out, let him out, let him out. That's going on in the back of his head. Having heard his his whole speech and the thieves can't that he spoke, Tums is going to go ahead and make a suggestion. Uh, well, well, all right, I, I guess we got to get into the to the manhole covers, but uh, I, I, I guess we have to leave him to, to the guards here. They'll have to process him, but uh, maybe we should, I'm just going to, I'm going to loot him. Real quick, before we let him go, he could have some valuables on him. And I'd, I'd like to give him a, a full pat down with, like, out anybody's consent on the plan. And in the process, I'm going to sleight of hand one of Tom's two daggers that he keeps in his, among his thieves' possessions into his backhands that, that are tied behind. Like, it, it's got to be a sneaky sneak. 
Absolutely. You'll need to make a sleight of hand, like you mentioned. And I and I want to contest that only because, like, you have only continued to reinforce Roy's conception of you is that he just can't trust you. Like, you're a lot stronger than you look, and the whole communication aspect of you talking to that guy, because he was clearly looking at you. You shot the pigeon, <laughs> like, you put the pigeon in your bag, you took that fucking smushy-ass sandwich back, like... Something no good is going on with you. Uh, if you want to make an active perception, it seems like you've given yourself a good reason to. You may. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I, I would just add that in Thieves Can't, I would like to say to him, like, do you owe me one? That comes out like greased up pig. <laughs> greased up pig. <laughs> so, Tums, what did you roll for your sleight of hand? Uh, Tums rolled a 12 to his sleight of hand. And then, Roynar, what did you get for your perception? You got a 17 to his perception. All right. Well, 12 beats the perception of the guards and of Limden, but not of Aunt May, or I think the rest of your party. So I would like to say it's just like a matter of perspective where everyone's standing. Tums, you managed to shuffle a shiv into the hands of this tabaxi. All of your friends see it, but the guards seem none the wiser. I have no idea how Cecilia is going to respond to that. Yeah, that <laughs> feels like a real big swing on Thumbs' part. So I think at this point, Roy would just kind of shake his head because this was a clearly telegraphed move that at this point he can also see that everybody saw. Um, <laughs> Jesus, this is like a huge faux pas. That's what you get for being so chaotic, Thumbs. <laughs> Right? G3 would also turn over and look at Tums. He knows that he knows that he knows that I G3 knows. <laughs> Does the Tabaxi know that we know that he knows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Tabaxi knows. Um, he sees everyone look at the dagger that enters his hand and kind of like <laughs> looks up at everyone very skeptically, like trying to gauge what their reaction is. And Aunt May gets really close to him and says, if you ever set one foot inside my museum again, I will incinerate you. What a badass. Um, noted. I, I won't come back here. All right, Mr. Tabaxi. You said you're supposed to meet him and drop this stuff down this sewer grate just north of the museum. Are there any other spots you've met with him in town or in the sewers? I, um, I've never been inside the sewers to meet with him. It's always been above the manhole. We have a... A uh, a contact word, uh, nivane. 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 <laughs> and is this something you just scream into the sewers, or it's more like a stage whisper? Got it. Uh, at this point, Roy would like to assess the height of this tabaxi in comparison with everyone around. Is there anybody that's broadly the same height? So he tends to be of a little bit more of a slender build in terms of height. I would say he's similar to. He's probably similar to Cecilia. Uh, shorter than you, Ronar, obviously taller than Tom's, and much thinner than G3's awesome bulk. And Aunt May, although she's very strong and muscular, like a Leon in size, she is probably the closest, the very closest, to what this tabaxi looks like. I think what we should do is have someone take a decoy of the book and the rock, shout this word into the sewers, and then dump them down the north grate, as planned. The rest of us will be lying in wait in the sewers to hopefully catch this person. Okay. Everybody like that plan? I like that idea. 
Yeah, sounds good to me. You guys are all devising this this great plan, but G3 is still stuck on this blatant sidestep of the law. Like, a criminal is sitting here and has been armed. So, G3 is going to turn to the tabaxi and lift him up upside down by his feet and shake his lunch money out of him. <laughs> like, he wants to get the weapon out. I would say, G3, that is easily done for you. You just pick him up by his ankles and shake him around. You guys have already taken off most of his equipment, so you have those special concussive arrows, his longbow, his daggers, uh, one more of these little boxes, which you can only assume houses more vampiric frogs, and you shake out a little dagger out of his hands. So, as it clanks on the ground, G3 is just going to look straight at Tubbs. You were threatening him. He needed to be armed if you were going to kill him. You'd have to follow through. Tubbs, that was a tactic for interrogation. I cannot kill someone that we've captured, even if they are a criminal. They need to be processed by the guards. But if he's armed, it's perfectly fine, right? That is correct. If he's armed, you can kill him. <laughs> That's the Barazlike point law. This guy. <laughs> Obviously, as a member of of the guard, you couldn't do something like that. I just made it easier for you, G3. Can I do a persuade on that? Or a deception? You want to persuade G3? Okay. <laughs> so this will be uh, a counter. So if you want to try to beat this, Sean, G3, go ahead and roll an insight. Oh, uh, Tom's got an eight to his persuasion, so he's just stacking faux pas on top of faux pas. And G3, what did you get for your insight? G3 got a 12, so he's seeing through this. Okay, I mean, what do you do? G3's puzzled because Tom's has been very helpful up to this point, and now he's arming criminals, lying, and he doesn't, he doesn't really know what to make of this yet. He just knows that this criminal has to be processed. So he, still holding him by his feet, you know, upside down, gently but still getting a message across, tosses him towards the lawman. Wait, before you toss him, does he have a trench coat or something that we can... Like a hat and a trench coat or something that we can take off of him? <laughs> yeah, classic, like, 1960s. Cold War outfit. <laughs> no, uh, he's wearing a cloak and leathers. Tom's float something out here then. In Thieves Can't. All right, look. So, obviously, you're a skilled individual, and uh, it took all four of us to, to lock you down, but, you know, if you work with us, you know that we are also skilled individuals. So, like, this is your best shot. If you want to get it back, this is how it's going to get done. We have an objective, you have an objective, you need to get paid. Let's, you can show us around, we can make this happen. Go ahead and make a persuasion. You can go ahead and use advantage. So persuasions with the tabaxi are the advantage, I had a 15 and 18, so 18 is the, is the role we keep. He looks up at you. I have no allegiance to the Warden of the Wastes. I suppose I would be happy to help if I knew I could avoid the cold grasp of the manacles. Is this in Thieves' Camp still? Yes, I would say that this has been in Thieves' Camp. And I, I, I'd say it's it's maybe heated. So it's like angry gibberish. G3's gonna look to Tums as they're both reciting their grocery lists. And he's gonna glare at Tums and just say, Tums. That's it. Just deadpan. Yeah, what's up, uh, G3? You, you okay? I, I think I'm brokering something here that might work for us. 
And I think the tabaxi takes the hint. He looks at everyone, says, All right, I would be willing to turn my cloak for the greater good. Knowing that people are being stolen by apparently demons, that's not something I condone. Let's just say my money goes to those who need my help, and I don't think having demons run rampant is that helpful. If I can get your assurances that I will not be locked up, I will help you. I, I want to be clear, everybody, he just wants to get paid. So th this is his best chance at, at, at getting his money back. I think G3 at this point, because he's still holding the tabaxi upside down, right? Because he didn't throw him when uh, Cecilia said, hey, wait. G3 gently <laughs> puts him back <laughs> vertically and sets him on his little, little cat paws. Thank you. I appreciate being right side up. And if that is amenable to the Barazley Point Rangers, I will assist you in your endeavor. Look, guys, I think it's our best bet. We're not going to know what the sewers are like. I mean, neither does this putz, but an extra hand in battle is always welcome. Yeah, 100%. Is the plan to have this guy, like, escort us to the sewers? He's already admitted he has no idea what's going on down there. Oh, shit. I thought that he knew what was going on down there because he's supposed to rendezvous with people down there. No, he said he'd never been in the sewer. No, he just drops it down the well. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I just now, now, now I just need, we need to figure out what we're going to do with this guy. I do like the idea of having an extra person to help. I, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I'm spacey today, so I'm, I'm like missing critical information. I think Tums though is attempting to mastermind this, however he can. So it actually is very in character. So I, w I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it seems like you have a strong idea of what you're doing. <laughs> so yeah, so I would just go with your gut. Um, I've been just now, okay, like out of game or whatever, like, okay, if, if that's not the plan we're going with, like, can I interject? Cause you guys are putting together a plan. So why don't you guys go ahead and set up your, your plan and then we'll do it in character. Does that sound fair? Yeah. Okay. You guys spend some time making a plan. And when you finish, you turn to see the guards who are looking at you expectantly. All right, well, what's the plan of attack? Okay, here's the plan. We're gonna have two groups of two go downstairs with our core groups, and we're gonna go in the sewers, and we're gonna hide and wait. And then the tabaxi is gonna put his little vampire frogs in the bag, and then we're gonna get a fake book and a fake rock that Roy has many rocks in his bag, and we're gonna throw it down there, say the magic word, and then we're gonna lie and wait until the people come and collect the bag, and then we're gonna ambush them, and then the tabaxi's gonna come down from above and help us attack, while the guards are gonna make sure that the tabaxi stays true to his word, while we have Aunt May and motherfucker, what the fuck is his name? Limden. Limden. <laughs> Guys, come on. I've been here for hours now. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Limden. <laughs> <laughs> Tubbs, your manners. And then we're going to have Aunt May and Limden stay at the museum and lock down the books and lock down the museum. And then that's the plan. All questions? Right. No questions whatsoever. Sounds like a pretty straightforward plan. Sounds good. Cecilia, who will be partnering up with who? That's a great question. <laughs> Does anyone have any preferences? I think Royal Edge away from Tums. <laughs> I'll go with Roy. I've not had much chance to get. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long night. 
<laughs> I'll go with Roy. Uh, Tums and G3, you guys can be together. Tums, we're watching you. Just come on, man. Greater good. Focus. G3 gives him the, uh, points to G3's eyes with his fingers, then points at Tums. I'm watching you. I'd never hurt you guys. <laughs> so Tums, he, he's actually feeling kind of shaky. Uh, like, this happens when he hears that voice in the back of his head, and when he, when he acts on these impulses, and he's gonna... He's going to knock back one of those grogs that he's got sitting in his bag. All right. So you only had two uses. So now you only have one. That's right. Everybody, whip it up. Armor up. Let's get this on. Yeah. Demons. And I will, like, get ready. Yeah. Can we make our way to the sewers now? Absolutely. And just as, like, RP for that transition, I think Roy would hang back and uh, with G3 Keep an eye out on that little goblin. I really don't know what he's up to these days. Neither do I. I think that's a good idea. And I'll just add a little bit of flavor. Like, Roy is definitely starting to warm up to G3, given how easily, like, he's able to jump in on Roy's plans. He really appreciated him, like, sticking with the whole threatening the tied-up prisoner. All right. You all gather up your equipment. And you head to the service hall of the sewer. All right, before we jump down, I want to listen and make sure that there's nothing down there right now. Do a perception. Perception. Do you guys hear anything? I got a 21 to perception. Damn. So, Cecilia, you can hear the flowing of effluent and water in the sewer, and you can hear distant wails like the one you heard from the box you hear like a distant cries they don't seem like they're immediately below you but they're somewhere in the sewers and you can hear them okay guys there's definitely things down there but nothing too close we have to make sure that we hide in a very good location to the best of our ability and stay quiet until you hear that magic word and you see people going for the bag as Cecilia expresses that there's, like, screams coming out of the sewers, Roy sticks his head and he's like, huh, I don't hear anything. <laughs> Shut up, Roy. God damn it. I told you to be quiet. So, so Roy, with your, uh, with your uh, one to perception, sticking your head in there, I say you, you stick your face in to try to listen and you just catch a whiff of sewage and that's not something you're familiar with. And you're just like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> And it was not a critical fail. It was actually a two, and I have a minus one. On the bright side. Yeah, so you don't vomit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's stealth our way in. Oh, yeah. You guys haven't seen me try to stealth yet. It's great. So everybody go ahead and make stealths as you descend the ladder into the suit. <laughs> oh, God. I told you. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Roy. <laughs> Fucking problem, man. <laughs> Although I'll say this is the first extreme roll we've had today. It's true. We haven't had any nat 20s or critical fails prior to this point. It's true. We haven't rolled much, but that's true. Uh, G3 got a 7. Cecilia got 15. Tums uh, got a 13. Uh, it would have been a really low roll if Tums didn't have plus 7 to stealth. Roy critically failed his stealth roll. <laughs> God damn it. Cecilia and Tums, you managed to go down the ladder and into the sewers pretty quietly. There's only the soft ringing of your hands and your feet on the rungs as you descend. G3, you kind of have to squeeze through the service hole, so there's like a metal scraping, 
and then metal on metal as you descend the stairs, it's a little bit loud and there's a bit of an echo. Roynar, with that critical fail, you start going down the hole and you get that whiff of sewage again and you try not to vomit, but in doing so, you lose grip of the ladder and you slide down noisily and fall prone at the base of the ladder with a loud crash. G3 would offer his hand to Roy to help him up. Roy would take it. So as you enter into this sewer space, you have come to a strange junction, a 40 by 40 foot square room. On the east and west sides of the room, there are hallways that continue off. And through the center of this room and these hallways is a 10 foot wide stream of sewage. On the north and south sides of the room, there are two pipes about four feet in diameter, and they are on the north and south, and they both deposit sewage into this central pool in the square room where you are at. Cecilia's gonna instinctively run and hide in that sewer pipe that was right in front of him. She's like, oh, fuck! Ray doesn't take falling damage, does he? No, I'm gonna be kind on that one. Okay. You just hear that crashing noise, and I'm gonna say, Cecilia, after the crash, you don't hear the sound of the demonic calling. Seems like they've gone quiet. You make your way over to that sewer pipe, and you are stopped. Looking inside the sewer pipe, you see a small stream of waste flowing through it, but you see that the pipe is crisscrossed with, it looks like red lights, like lasers, and you can see through the pipe into an opening on the other side. Not only that, you don't have dark vision, do you? Uh, no. You can vaguely tell that on the other side of this pipe, seeing through it, you see these glowing red lasers that crisscross the pipe. There is no way to crawl through without being hit by these lasers. Okay. And you see a faint light coming from down the hall, the other part of the sewer, on the other side of this pipe. Furthermore, you see these faint red letters surrounding the pipe. There seems to be kind of like a twisting dial on the pipe with a red arrow. It looks like it kind of slides. It appears as though it's some sort of locking mechanism. You need to turn the arrows to these runes. It appears to be writing, but it's in a language you can't discern, unless you know Celestial. Draconic in common. Nope. Do any of you speak Celestial? I whisper. Oh, uh... Actually, I, I can comprehend any language if I can put my hand up against it. And it was Before we do that, let's look around and, like, really... Because t- it went quiet. If anyone else noticed, it went super quiet. Like, we need to prepare for people coming our way. Still riding high off that critical fail, Roy's going to take G3's hand, and not in a whisper at all. He's going to say, oh my god, it stinks down here. I turn to Roy and just say, shut the fuck up. We are in a dangerous situation. Are you trying to intimidate me, or...? I'm just trying to communicate to you that you need to be quiet right now, bro. (laughs) And G3 would look from Cecilia to Roy and say, It does smell quite terrible down here. Oh my god, I hate you all. (laughs) Did you see something down that pipe? Slightly, slightly quieter. There's a little bit of light, like, and lasers, so, like, we should not try and go there. It seems like there's booby traps down here. 
Seems like your classic dungeon. <laughs> we need to hide. We need to make sure that we're not about to get ambushed down here because I'm pretty sure things know that we are here. So get the fuck ready. Split up. Roy, come over here. Cecilia, which side would you like to take? Farthest away from where Roy fucking fell on the ladder. Roy will as quietly as possible make his way over there. I'll have you guys make stealth checks to get in your hidden positions, yeah. I got 15 to stealth. Roynar, what did you roll? Uh, Roynar rolled a 7 uh, with this advantage. Oh, why? Heavy armor. Heavy armor, armor dude. Fuck. Roy, god damn it. And G3's gonna quietly yell across this river area. Cecilia, <laughs> where do you want Tums and I? I'm literally just gonna glare back at you and not answer. I'm gonna point to directly across from us, like just the opposite side of the ladder. I'm so pissed off at you guys. Like, I don't think you understand the danger that we are in and, and the consequences. G3's just gonna point to where you pointed and be like, that there? Oh my god! And I'm just dramatically nod my head once. I don't say shit, though. You fucking fools. And uh, G3 will walk over there. All right, G3, go ahead and make that stealth roll. And G3 rolled a 14 to stealth. Okay. And Tums, where would you like to hide? Um, Is the sewer pipe above ground at all? Or is it, like, flush with the ground? Like, is it sticking out in the middle? It is above the ground by about two feet. Okay, then I'd like to, like, wedge myself underneath the... I'm going to crouch down underneath it. Is that reasonable? Yeah. Tom's got a 19 to stealth. You have all got in your hiding positions. I would also like to say that I am, like, trying to see everything around me as best as I can. Like, I do not want to be snuck up on. All right, well, you don't have dark vision, so you will have a very difficult time seeing anything. Probably a great time to say, though, that uh, <clears throat> Roynar does have dark vision, so he can see pretty well down here. Tom's also has dark vision. Does G3? G3 doesn't. No. So are you going to actually, like, use the rules of dark vision? Cause yep. They will not be able to make solid attacks in the dark unless there is an illumination source. I have a plan. Yes! I have a plan, too. So I hope our plans come into conflict. That's always fun. <laughs> Good lighting plan is key to creating a nice space. I also have an illumination plan. So. All right. So if anyone wants to make a perception for me, they can. Uh, people with dark vision? People with dark vision won't have disadvantage. Yeah. Roy got a 16 to perception. Okay. Tom's rolled a 17 to perception. G3 doesn't have dark vision, so rolling with disadvantage, he got an 8. I got 10 with disadvantage. You sit in your positions. You're waiting for about 15 minutes, and then you hear just down the western corridor, you hear this demonic cry. Those who got uh, perceptions above a critical fail uh, can hear one of these demons kind of like splashing, wading through the water. Those of you who got perceptions higher than a, a 17 or above, you can hear the arrhythmic patter of blobby feet. Likewise, you can hear this kind of powering down noise from the pipe. You can hear something scrambling through there. You hear the tabaxi call down, Nivenay! Nivenay! And you hear from inside the pipe, Nivenay! Nivenay! You hear a voice call out from inside the pipes, 
and at the sound of this feeble old woman <laughs> rage <laughs> which <laughs> And, just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I'm keeping it. And <laughs> not just distrust, but like actual <laughs> hatred for old people. <laughs> what happened to you, Roynar? Um, <laughs> you hear the sound of a bag dropping, and it hits the pavement with a hard thump. And then you hear this voice go, Thanks, Art. No problem. Where's my payment? Your payment? Is somewhere in hell, you turncoat! I heard your man fumble down the hole! You foolish idiots! Get them, my minions! Attack! Hey, folks! We know this episode was short and sweet, but we hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. And while it may seem like our headstrong heroes only managed to walk outside and descend into the sewers and get caught in the trap that they were trying to set, we have learned more about the demons and who is controlling them. It seems our party's in a pretty shitty situation. Will they be able to clean this mess up? Tune in next month and find out. Want to tell us how you like the show? Or how ultimately it was actually Roy Nars' fault that the law sent an undead specialist? Well, we here at the Tavern want to hear from you. Write a review, send us an email, or message on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, or or email us. I wrote that twice. What a dip. We will begin reading your letters and reviews on air when they start coming in. So don't hesitate to reach out. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Better yet, take a moment to share with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit for more fun stuff and updates. Links are in the episode notes. We've recently partnered with our friend Tommy Atella, a budding Twitch streamer who plays games like Rocket League and Halo. He's pretty good and he's pretty enjoyable to watch. You can find him on Twitch at twitch.tv slash chexmix95. The link to his channel is in the episode notes. Thanks, Tommy. We'll see you around. Our intro song is Briefcase Number 1, performed by Tartanic. Our intro speech is written and performed by Lou Fox. Other artists that provided music and sound effects are the RPG music maker Travis Savoye and Carl Casey from White Bat Audio. You can find links to their content and other contributors' content in the show notes. With that, the last call has been made, the tavern is closing, you don't have to untie the man that you stick a shiv in his hand so that you can kill him to not go against Barazley's point law. But it will help you. Toodaloo. Yeah, I'm gonna alter a little bit of the information. There is still a JP wash drop, but he's gonna bring it up in a different way. He better still be a warden of the waste. Right? Because I think that is the most high-class term for (laughs) fucking sewage technician I've ever heard. Yeah, that's a great name. He's like a poop prince. (laughs) A shit sultan. (laughs) A duke of dookie.